Sometimes, sometimes you hear a sentence or a phrase and it just sticks with you. That happened to me this past summer. I was in Israel. I was talking with a, a friend and a colleague. We were having breakfast in Jerusalem. And he shared with me that the night before he had gone to a lecture somewhere in Jerusalem by Thomas Friedman, the journalist. And Friedman, who was talking about economics and world politics and the world being flat and all of these things and globalization, at one point observed, I think in a non sequitur to something, said, have you ever noticed that when you press pause on your television, everything stops? But when you press pause on yourself, you start to think, like you're doing now. <laughs> that was the sentence that got me thinking. Pressing pause on your life is when you start to think. Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, the two pillars of these high holy days, they present us with one of those pause moments. In fact, if you think about the remote control that you have at home and the pause button that's on there, there's two parallel lines, right, running vertically as they do. And those can represent those pillars of Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur as well. The space between them, I thought, this, I thought about this a lot. The, <laughs> I'm going to make this fit. The space between them, that's the next 10 days the 10 days of reflection, of pause that our tradition commands us to take. When we talk about changing our lives, we often use that metaphor, that analogy of a remote control. We talk about rewinding our life, rewinding it back to a better time, or fast-forwarding to an anticipated future. But in my experience, the remote control button that most people wish that they had was a pause button. Actually, I think many parents wish they had a mute button, but we know that that is a pipe dream. But before we talk about the pause button, I want to unpack those other functions, those other functions that we often wish we had a button to control, rewind and fast forward. So let's start with rewind. You know that saying on your side view mirror, objects and mirror may be larger than they appear? I think that's true for many of us. As we move ahead in our life, our attention is often drawn to our rearview mirror, to our past, wishing we could go back and either, in the words of the immortal Bruce Springsteen, back to our glory days to relive them, or more often address some regret that is weighing down our soul. The attraction of being able to undo our life, to rewind it to a point when we were happier, when things were simpler, or when we had someone in our life who is now gone, is sometimes irresistible. We feel that if only we could go back, if only we could go back, the difficulties that we are currently finding ourselves in would be changed. We'd be able to be happy, happy again. In other cases, we hope that we could be able to rewind so that we can undo some of the damage and the hurt that we have caused other people. Unfortunately, the remote for our soul doesn't have a button. Human beings were never made with a rewind button. You can't go back. Equally true, to live a life filled with regret is not to truly live. I learned that lesson most profoundly from a book I read by an Australian um, nurse, a hospice nurse, Brownie Ware who spent hours at the bedside of her patients talking with them and listening to their stories. In her conversations, she would ask her patients 
Do you have any regrets? They answered honestly, and with the clarity that comes from knowing that their own death was near, that not only did they not have to rewind, could they not rewind because they had no rewind button that worked, but as they were in palliative care, they had no remote control at all. No control at all. Maybe God was holding the remote. Miss Ware wrote a book about these conversations that she had. Its title is a sermon in itself, The Top Five Regrets of the Dying. Before I list them, I want to do something, and it's really the whole point of this sermon this evening. I want to ask you, are you living the life that you intended for yourself? If, and I really mean this, if God forbid if you were to die today, because we're supposed to imagine that during these high holy days, if you were to die today, would you have any deep personal regrets? I don't mean what's on your bucket list that you didn't get to do, skydiving, traveling to some exotic locale, learning to cook an incredible Indian curry. My question is deeper, it's more personal. If you could change anything about your life before it was too late, what would it be? I'm tempted to ask you to offer your answers, but I'll let you just think on them. The five most common answers that Miss Ware encountered as she asked her patients were these. Number one, I wish I had the courage to live a life true to myself, not the life that others expected of me. Is your life in line with your values? These high holy days implore us to examine our lives. We have a mitzvah about it. It's called cheshbon hanefesh, to examine our soul, to look at our past year, to look at all of our past years, and ask ourselves, am I being true to myself? I know many of us can't answer that in the affirmative. So often we live our lives in terms of what others expect of us. And for some, we're not sure anymore even who we were truly intended to be. It was Shakespeare in Hamlet who wrote, To thine own self be true. And the next words in that passage, if you remember them, they carry the thought even further. It continues, And it must follow as the night the day, Thou canst not then be false. The second top five regret of the dying, I wish I hadn't worked so hard. Ware heard this regret from every single male patient that she interviewed and every working woman that she was caring for. They missed their children's youth and their partner's companionship. They regretted the long hours they spent in the office doing some task that they thought was important then and they couldn't remember now. Instead of being home for dinner, or attending a child's performance, or spending time with family and friends. Clayton Christensen is a professor at the Harvard School of Business. And in his book, How Will You Measure Your Life?, he offers a model of how to avoid this particular regret about having worked so much. Christensen explains that in life, like in business, we each have limited resources, time, energy, talent, wealth, with every moment of our time, every decision about how we will spend our energy, our talent, our money, we are making a statement about what really matters to us. And if, decisions, if the decisions that we make about where to invest our blood, sweat, and tears are not consistent with the person that we aspire to be, then we will never become that person. The third of those top five regrets of the dying 
I wish I had the courage to express my feelings. The first principle of language in Judaism is that language is creative. God spoke, and the world came into being. Bereshit bara Elohim. God spoke, and it was so. We too create by speaking. We often create when we refrain from speaking as well. In the refraining, we sometimes create regret. The things that we were left unsaid, the feelings that were suppressed, the kind word that we were too angry or self-centered to give. I guess in some ways this is kind of a mute button. Knowing when to hold our tongue and when to open our mouth, when to press mute and when to turn up the volume. If only it was as easy as pressing a button. The fourth in those top five regrets, as we look at our rewind reel, I wish I had stayed in touch with my friends. As we rewind the tape of our life, each of us, I think, can point to one or two friendships, I know that I can, where we've unintentionally neglected because of our busy life. We hope that the bonds of friendship are strong enough to endure such neglect, but they seldom are. Even the most committed friends stick around for only so long before they choose to invest their own time, their own energy and friendship in someone else. And when they do, the loss is ours, not theirs. And the fifth of those top five regrets, I wish that I had let myself be happier. The path to happiness in life and relationships is not just about finding someone who you think is going to make you happy. It's also about finding someone who you want to make happy. Someone whose happiness is worth devoting yourself to. You might be sitting next to that person right now. If you are, you can hold their hand. It's okay. It's a reformed synagogue. Can't do that at Chard Siddick. Bring happiness to another, and I promise you will find it for yourself. But as we well know, you can't rewind your life. It's why the choices we make in the present about how we live our life and how we spend our time, they're so important, they're so precious. Because you can't go back. There's no rewind button. Fast forwarding. It's another button we don't have. The remote for our soul does not have a fast-forward button. I know we wish that it did, and sometimes we think that it does, that we would just love to be able to push that button and skip past difficult circumstances into a time into which we are sure we will be happier, more rewarding and easier than the times that we are currently living in. And it can be agonizing to us that we are unable to jump forward into the future, to skip past the rough patches. It's the paradox of life I've come to learn as I've just turned 49, that we spend our childhood in a hurry to get older and we spend our later years wishing that we were younger, longing for the flexibility of body and of circumstance that age and responsibility have taken from us. Those of you in your 80s are laughing at me saying I'm young, but you'll understand. Even without this button, though, sometimes it feels like life is happening at two or three times speed. We are rushing so much, skipping so many important moments as we move from one thing to the next and to the next and to the next. It feels like life is on fast forward, that's for sure. Rabbi Levi Yitzhak of Berdichev once observed a man hurrying along the street 
He looked neither right nor left. Why are you rushing? The rabbi asked him. I'm after my livelihood, the man said. And how do you know, continued the rabbi, that your livelihood is running on before you so that you have to rush on after it? Perhaps it's behind you. And all you need to do to encounter it is to pause and stand still. And it's there in that beautiful teaching from our tradition that we encounter the most powerful button on the remote control of the soul and actually the only button that really exists in our life, the pause button. When you press pause on yourself, you start to think. When we take time to pause and examine what's happening to us and how we feel, we can sometimes see our life in vivid detail and understand what's really going on. When we press pause on our life, the process of introspection begins, and it can be both revealing and calming. Sometimes that pause consists of moments to smell the roses. Sometimes it's that pause that gives us the time to spend with family. Sometimes that pause consists of days spent playing, and other times that pause is a longer one the time we need to heal wounds that we have sustained on our journey. Terry Hershey writes in his book, The Power of Pause, while striving for perfect, we pass on ordinary. While rushing for better, we don't give our best effort for good. While yearning for new and improved, we leech the joy right out of the old and reliable. He suggests that we pause and notice those ordinary moments. They are morsels with joy buried deep within. These two high holy days, they separate as they are, teach us the importance of focusing our attention on the space in between. My rabbi growing up taught that you have on your headstone your date of birth, your date of death, and the dash in between. That life is not lived on that first date or that last date. It's lived on the dash in between, the pause between the pillars between the breaths, the pause between thoughts, the pause between the end of one year and the start of another. Those pauses are where we find our true selves. Deep within ourselves, there is a knowing that we are at peace, not needing to look back and rewind or jump fast forward, but that we are Kadai, that we are worthy just as we are in the moment that we are, right now as we are. We are worthy of loving ourselves fully, warts and all. Life is worthy of feeling joyful even when there are sad moments in it. And there are precious moments right in front of us that are waiting to be embraced. And when you press pause, you see them, maybe for the first time. In her book, Radical Acceptance, Tara Brock writes, through the sacred art of pausing, we develop the capacity to stop hiding, to stop running away from our own experience. We begin to trust in our natural intelligence, in our naturally wise heart, in our capacity to open to what arises. By pressing the pause button on our lives, we give ourselves the space to realign with our values and our vision, to reconnect with our inner voice, our true selves. When we hit pause, we are able to freeze the frame and examine our life from all angles and all sides and all perspectives to really see it. 
Our world is becoming one that wants to continually drive forward without thought for our own well-being. We need the next new thing, the latest update, the most current upgrade, and life is coming at us so fast. In this new year, in these 10 days, between those two pillars of Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, give yourself some space to breathe. Take a time out. Press pause on life. It's the only button that we have, so press it and see what happens. I suspect you'll start to think. You'll start to think about all that you've been doing. And that will be a moment worthy of blessing. Ken Hiratsome, may it be God's will, Shana Tovah.